When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a piece of technology at the center of electrification called a permanent magnet, which is made from rare earths. And that happens to be a specific natural resources sector, which is dominated by China. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to Ahmed Garaman, a professor currently on leave from Queen's University's mining department. And he's focused on his latest project, recycling rare earths, through a company he started called Cyclic Materials. We talked about the growth of rare earths and the challenges of mining them. They're often found next to or alongside radioactive materials, and the low-grade, small-scale nature of rare earth mineral deposits in general means that they don't end up returning capital in a way that excites many investors, which makes it hard to develop rare earths mines. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Hi, Ahmad. Welcome to Down to Business. Hi, Gabe. So we're going to talk about rare earths, but just to start, you were a professor for a while based in Kingston. What's your education background? I am a hydrometallurgist by training. I did my PhD at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, BC, Canada. I did my PhD on extraction of copper. So my expertise is how to make metals. And after that, I worked for Barrick Gold Corp oh, yeah. for a few years. And then I joined Queen's University as a faculty member in the mining department. And since 2021, I have been on leave to focus on cyclic materials. Oh, cool. Well, so you hydrometallurgy, you said like extracting metals. Correct. In some sort of water solution or something like that? So the hydrometallurgy processes, which are basically chemical processes, are a type of processes that utilize water-based systems to extract metals. Cool. You said you started in mining, but your latest few projects, I guess, have really been in recycling. Is that right? Correct. So by mining, I basically mean metals and minerals industry. I've always been the last piece of mining value chain which starts with a mine, you bring the ore up to the surface, I won't do anything on that side, and at the back end, you would take that ore and make metal out of it. Hmm. And that would be my art. (laughs) And recycling fits in really nicely there as well, because in recycling also you have a material that basically you would like to extract the metals, valuable metals, out of it. Yeah. And in the last few years, I've heard more and more about people from the mining industry moving into recycling. There's lye cycle materials, which is looking at battery metals. And then there's your company, Cyclic Materials, which is focused on rare earths. And there's a similar company in Quebec that also wants to focus on recycling rare earths. I wanted to ask about this broader trend. Maybe let you talk about your latest project. So at Cyclic Materials, our focus is on recycling of rare earth elements, and our focus is on magnet rare earth elements. So I'm just going to go one step back. Okay. If you look at the bottom end of periodic table, there are basically 17 elements called rare earth elements. And those elements have very similar physical and chemical properties, majority of them. 
And a few of them, around five, six of them, are magnet rare elements. And those metals are unique in a sense that when you use those metals to produce magnet out of them, they have really strong magnetic properties. Basically, the main use of those metals has been in magnets, and we put the magnets in, in, the, in the products that we use in our everyday life. And at the end of the life, those magnets, until now, have been going into the base. And now we are creating a technology, which we have created and piloted, actually, that recycles those magnets from end-of-life products. Uh-huh. So magnets. Why do we need magnets? I know they're used in motors, because I've heard that before, but but why are they increasing in usage now? So neodymium magnets have been around since late 1970s, and they have been used commercially in 1980s and since then. The use of magnets in motors, electric motors, is increasing every day, simply because we use more and more of those motors in our everyday life, and we need stronger motors every day as well. That is partially because we are switching to electric vehicles, for instance. Electric vehicles, unlike ICE, internal combustion engine cars, they have electric motor. And the electric motors with permanent magnets, which basically are the neodymium magnets, are extremely stronger and more efficient on consuming the energy. So with a smaller battery size, you can have more efficient motor if you use permanent magnets in them. Now, our society is becoming such that we need more and more of electrical products in it that have motors in them. Let's think of power tools. Let's think of wind turbines. Let's think of electric vehicles. Let's think of all the robots. If they have an arm, it is a motor in there that moves the robot arm. So basically, with electrification of society, you're using more and more of those electric motors, and that's where we use permanent magnets. And this is maybe going a little deep, but what's the difference between like a rare earth magnet and the kind of magnet on your fridge? Good question. <laughs> In general, there are four different kinds of magnets out there. Two of them are rare earth magnets, samarium cobalt, as well as neomagnets, which references neodymium, which is one of the rare earth metals. Another two kind of magnets are alnico. If you have electric guitar, you would know what that is. <laughs> alnico magnet, as well as ferrite which is basically iron-based magnet. Now, rare earth magnets happen to be the most strong magnets that we know, and they are pretty robust magnets that we can use them in a variety of applications, and that opens up a large market for them. For instance, right now around 40% of the magnet that we globally consume are neodymium magnets, and that is increasing basically every day. Huh. Okay. Now, ferrite magnets on the other side, are not very strong magnets, but in many other applications that you need a stronger and lighter weight magnet, ferrite magnet is not your first option. Okay, so at this point, my listeners might be like wondering why I'm going so deep on this, but it seems to me that one of the defining things about rare earths is that sometime in the past two, three decades, rare earth production all basically migrated to China. Like China, I think, controls like 80, 90%. You can tell me the exact number. And they've kind of, at times, talked about weaponizing rare earths, like cutting off exports to Japan around 2010-ish. So it's sort of this like very charged topic, particularly for people who are inclined to worry about national security. It actually is. Up to early 1990s, North America in general was a producer of rare elements. 
The mine deposits for rare sediments are rather small. So usually they don't return the capital as fast as we would want them. That's one of the challenges with deposits. On mining side, basically we start with really lower grade of material. Per 100 kilograms of ore, we have just tiny, tiny, tiny amount of rare sediment. And 97, 8% of that is just waste material. So we produce a lot of waste when we mine those. And when we go downstream, again, the process is complicated. Majority of deposits for rare sediments have uranium and thorium radioactive metals in them. Now, uranium-thorium concentration or amount of uranium and thorium in those deposits is high enough that they cause environmental problem, but it's low that you can't make a viable byproduct out of them. So with all those difficulties and many more, and, and many of those deposits being located in really remote areas, with those challenges, many of those mining operations move to China. Your numbers are actually pretty accurate. Over 65% of reverse mining is happening in China. And then China imports the ore from other countries. And over 80% of the processing, downstream processing, happens in China. And then yet again, China imports more processed material. And over 90% of reverse magnets are produced only in China. And that shows you how strategic these metals have become because those are the ingredients of our electrified society in the future. But only there is one country that produces plus 90%, to be accurate, 93% of the magnet material in 2022. And that puts significant stress on the supply chain of these metals that we need desperately for our society. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's interesting. People in Canada and the U.S. have been worried about this from a national security angle. Nobody did anything, but it seems like in the last two years, like your company is a great example of this. There's been these investments and people trying to develop a North American supply chain for rare earths. You figured out a way to recycle them, basically? So a little bit of an introduction to that. So I have been following virtually every single mining project in North America and probably ex-China globally on where the reverse mining project is at and what kind of deposit they have. And this is pretty universal that the reason since 2008, or maybe even before then, none of the reverse deposits that we have in Canada, we have more than 20 of those, by the way, have materialized that ended in larger scale metal production simply is that the projects are not economically or environmentally viable. This question on what to do with rare sediments was stuck with me for, for years. And eventually, I believe the, the solution was what we came up with, cyclic materials, to recycle the magnets that we already have in North America inside the end-of-life products. So the magnet recycling nobody has looked into from the angle we have looked into until recently. And based on that process that we have developed and patented within our company, 
we are basically able to recycle magnets from end-of-life products and run it through the process and produce high-quality mixed rare earth oxide at the back end. In fact, our pilot plant was running just a few weeks ago, and we have produced closer to 100 kilograms of fully recycled mixed rare earth oxide, which is basically the only source of mixed rare earth oxide from end-of-life products globally. So what's your feedstock? What are you recycling exactly? So multiple feedstock. One of the feedstock we have is based off magnet production. When you produce magnet materials, basically you have some base of production and also QC rejects, so quality control rejects. And that's one of the smaller feedstock material that we have. That probably will be around 10% of our feedstock. Another feedstock we have is basically the traction motor of electric vehicles. In the future, as our company grows, the feedstock for our company will be even larger, simply because more and more of different type of feedstock will be available to our company. Let's think of wind turbines. Wind turbines at a larger scale, especially the offshore wind turbines, can carry up to 10 tons of magnets. Now, in Kingston, we just finalized our pilot plant of the chemical process. The feed material we used in this process was reject magnets from magnet manufacturing facilities, waste of magnet manufacturing facilities, and also magnets that came from end-of-life products. For instance, all the hard disk drives carries a little bit of neodymium magnet, as well as some of the speakers that you will find in different applications give or take 50% of speakers are made by neodymium magnet. Huh. So you told me a little bit about like why these are important for the future because they're sort of at the center of the rise of electrification. Do you have any sense about sort of what percentage of these are currently recycled or where these are going right now? Unfortunately, the answer is almost none. So magnet recycled from end-of-life products is currently less than 1%, and that is mostly done manually in India and Pakistan, and there is not much recycled magnet around globally at the moment. To give you an idea, for many of the industrial metals, for instance, iron, copper, aluminum, we have 40% recycling capacity. So 40% of those metals, give or take, would be recycled annually. Even some, some of the metals that we use, just tiny, tiny little bit of those, especially the specialty metals, those also are recycled at 50% capacity, 40% capacity. Rare sediments is basically one exception, that we recycle less than 1% of those. I see. Is it the case that recycling in general has been pretty dirty? What we throw out either goes into a landfill or it ends up somewhere where they kind of burn it. And you mentioned you were a hydrometallurgist. It's not burning it. You guys are using some sort of solution to recycle it. Absolutely. We do not do, use any high temperature pyrometallurgy. Those processes are known to be polluting environment, and we have avoided every single of those kind of processes in our flow sheet and technology. So basically, the technology we have is based on hydrometallurgy. So we use water-based uh, systems to recover the metals we want. And the interesting part is that we have based our process on zero-waste system. Zero waste, you said. So all the material that comes out of our process, we have a home for it. We use it in one way or another in, in different applications. So everything is a byproduct in our process, not a waste. And they, they might be low-value byproducts, and there are some high-value byproducts such as cobalt, but all of them we are paid for when they leave our facility. The recycling is going to take place in North America, and it's growing. 
you're going to start doing it. There's another company in Quebec. Correct. Seems like it ties into this trend where we're converting to electric vehicles and electrification generally for environmental reasons. And this is like more efficient in a sense to recycle. Correct. So recycling has extremely small carbon footprint and we have done calculation and the water consumption in our process is only 2% of the water consumption you would have in mining of our sediments. So there are a lot of environmental and economic reasons to recycle various materials. For instance, our total cost of production of various elements is going to be around 33% of mining of various elements globally. So that's how low cost this process will be eventually. With that in mind, I think there is really a large room for recycling of materials. And as we grow in our economy and we consume more metals in our economy and our, in our everyday life, we will need more and more metals to be produced and consumed by people. And that basically means there will be an infinite source of feedstock for recycling company in opposed to limited feedstock for mining company, which is basically the deposit they have. Great. Well, it seems like the upshot of all of this is really good news, that we're developing parts of our supply chain that didn't exist just a couple of years ago, and we're doing it in a more environmentally friendly way. Absolutely. And we have to. We have only one planet, and we will have to take care of it. So Cyclic Materials is serious about environmentally friendly process that is developing. We consider ourselves a global company. Right as we speak, we are building capacity for our North American operations. So by end of 2025, we will be fully installed and will deploy our operations around North America in U.S. and Canada. That will give us, of course, multiple other byproducts, but our main product will be mixed earth oxide at around 600 tons per year. But beyond that, we will grow globally. And that will be basically 3,000 tons of mixed earth oxide production by 2030 globally in our different operations. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's great news. Thanks so much for coming on the show to talk to me about all this, Amar. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. That was Ahmad Garaman, CEO and co-founder of Kingston-based Cyclic Materials, a rare earth recycling company. Thanks for listening to Down to Business. The original music was composed and performed by Bryce Hall, who also designed this show's logo and produced this episode. Noella Ovid, Victoria Wells, and Pamela Heaven provide web support and editing support. I'm Gabe Friedman, and Down to Business will return next week. Until then, find all your business news at financialpost.com.